Hey, Mods. Hey, Danny. You know what time of the week it is, don't you? It's blunders, blunders, gonna get down with some blood. Yeah, what, what what time is it, by the way? It's actually 3.41 p.m. Pacific. I mean, am I missing? Is this a trick question? No, that's correct. No, this is that time of the week, the time of the day, where all of the things that I've missed from the last week are no longer missed because I'm here with you and we're here on right. blunders. And we've been chatting. So some people don't know how this show works. We've been chatting already for about an hour at this point. <laughs> and we are just way overly excited about absolutely everything they were talking about because this is the the Freaky Friday episode. Right. It's happening. This is, this is uh, well, this is just one of my favorite times of the week. I, I don't even know um, how to get into our episode sometimes because, as you said, this time we've been talking a lot about about different stuff that neither one of us is really qualified to speak on, which is what makes the show work, really. Um, oh, yeah. That and Shia LaBeouf clapping gifts. By the way, is there ever an inappropriate time to share a Shia LaBeouf clapping gif? No, there's not. That is there's there's not. Never, I end most of my email threads. If, if anybody else makes a point, I end the email thread with the Shia LaBeouf clapping gif embed in the email thread. That's just but, my new thing. My new thing is, uh, so we're big Bachelor and Bachelorette fans in the in the household, and Bachelorette is now over, which was a very terrible ending of the show. But there was this this GIF GIF Jiffy GIF uh, animated image, if you will, of the Bachelorette Rachel, who is awesome. She's standing there in this big dress, and she has this rose. And she takes it and she just thrusts it down on the ground and throws it on the ground and just gives a stank face. And it is absolutely amazing. And like, I use that gif like all the time where I have like, I'll just put an email. I'm like, I'm gonna just leave this here. Like, this is my, this is my new feeling for when everything's not like, not okay. Just right, not 100%. throw it on the ground. <laughs> it's great. So no, between- it's, good, it's good to have a gif for every emotion because, you know. God forbid we actually, you know, write out how we how we feel, right? The, the gifts are the new way to really communicate properly. Um, I look down upon anybody that writes, you know, certainly uh, a full a full sentence or two to explain how they feel, or you know, and if they use correct grammar, it's even worse. Oh, that's the know? worst. It's like, well, obviously the, this wasn't that important to you, or you would have used a gif to explain it. The best is when Siri. Oh, actually, you know, the new thing that happens is. In my Google keyboard, just like, you know, Apple has like the, a keyboard and stuff on their phone, on my Google keyboard on my phone, when you start typing a word, it will attempt to autocorrect it to emoji. Right. No, I know. I, no, a- Apple, uh, iOS does the same thing now. Oh, do they? That's fine. Yeah. It's, I don't even know who came first, right? The Apple or the, or the, uh, the Android process, but they're both doing the same shenanigans these days, in fact. And the only irritating thing is very often I disagree with the emoji. Um, <laughs> I know that's hard to believe, but I do. Like, I'm like, if you recommended a proper emoji, I might roll with this. But it's, you know, it recommends like the googly eyes. If I start typing like, hey, I'm looking forward to this. Like, I'm, you know, am I going to really put eyes? I'm eyes at, you know, forward to this. Like, I I just don't understand how that works, you know? Like, yeah. So I think that. As far as artificial intelligence, which was really the topic of last week's blunders, I think they have a long ways to go with emojis and GIFs properly guessing the emotions of the communication. So Yeah, they do need the next evolution of that is clearly not emoji, but it's clearly GIF insertion into normal. And it'd be great because you'll be like reading a sentence and then at the end of the sentence, it like tries to wrap the text around the GIF or like auto size it. That'd (laughs) be be funny if like that would be the next development is while you're typing, it automatically recommends a background to meme your sentence, right? Throw the text on an image to meme it. And the thing about that is it's always great because you can just put text on like a cat, right? Smiling. And that's like a great meme. 
it you know the meat you know it says like hey honey when are you going to be home or do i need to pick up anything on the way home and it's the cat looking at you oh right that'd be great. <laughs> that's the that's that's what we should do that's our million dollar idea forget all this stuff so there's this there's this photo of this cat if you yeah, there it is if you google cat walking through snow just do that right now just type that into your okay. browser hole okay and it is going to be the third image that you see the one from reddit not the wallpaper mania not pinterest but I the see. the reddit yeah, one yeah, yeah. it's very fluffy <laughs> this, this is so cat is you just put words on and i'm going to put this link to this image in the show notes you you literally put any words on that. It could mean so many things. On right. my way home, right. picked up a pizza. <laughs> it's cold outside. Like anything. <laughs> literally, LOLing. What is it about cats and snow? Look at how cute. <laughs> Look at this cute cat. Man, do we this need is... this? Do we need more of this in our lives? So we can do <laughs> that or goats? Photoshop. Oh. This is Photoshop battles on Reddit gone gone. This is like one of the the simplest yet just most perfect right examples of how photoshop can can change your life for the better so <laughs> oh love it. and you know what um i gotta say on that note because i got real excited this week because it's going into fall already i can't believe it's already like december um and it's not december it's it, I, I was giving a presentation this morning I'm like what is it like nine something They're like no no it's eight it's only august but we've been attempting to do more biking. We're trying to be more active in the Seattle of Washington. Now that all the smoke and smog is gone, mm. it is time. I was going to check in and, with you on your whatever that PCI air level was. But go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Um, oh, I, should, I could bust it. I don't know where my phone went. That's a – oh, there it is. I'm going to bust this out. I'm going to look this up. But I will say it's gone. We can breathe again. Our Dyson no longer has to work its tail off to uh, to bring down the air quality – shenanigans i'm loading it up right now our current air quality is down to a 61 which was at a 150 last week for the, right. the pqwi so we got good. this thing for this bicycle do you see me do you, i click on this link i'm gonna put it in the show notes. i've been so excited because i crush hills actually i hate hills in seattle but uh, i wanted to get heather an e-bike but they're very expensive um so there's this Kickstarter that is this kind of company. They've been doing it for a little bit uh, out of, I think out of Mexico, they're based. And now they like started a team in LA. It's called Urban Urban Next or whatever. And basically it's a front wheel for your bicycle. So you take off your front, current front wheel, you put on a new one, it turns your bike into an electric um, bike. And it has oh, yeah, a little yeah. lever that you press. funny. I just saw somebody riding an electric bike today and I thought to myself, what an idiot. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. No. <laughs> what an idiot. Now <laughs> here's the cool idiot. thing is, <laughs> You have to be pedaling it for it to actually kick in because it's kind of like a cylindrical magnet thing. And or there's like there's a motor in there. Right. But it's not like it's part of your gears it's on the front wheel. So it's got to propel you forward and you can get up to like 12, 15, 16 miles per hour on the lower end model. We went out riding on this thing and Heather loved it. We were crushing hills. She was going all over. It was right, amazing. But it's still from what I can see here, it still requires you to pedal. But it like it like boosts your pedaling app. Like, do you can you go pedal list? Like, you're just sitting there. You know, you put your feet up on like a stool, and the bike just goes on its own. Or you have to keep pedaling. Now, so to get going, so for it to kick into gear, it doesn't go from zero to sixty, right? You got to be at thirty. You got to be halfway there, basically, from whenever it kicks in, right? So you got to be going a little bit, and then you can go down the lever. And once you're in the lever, if it's on flat ground, you can just go, right? But if it starts going uphill, there's going to be some resistance. So you might need to pedal and it'll assist you up the hill and things like that. So Heather was a, a, a we did like a 20, 25 mile bike ride. She was able to just go to town with it and, and go to action. But yeah, it's, 
it's it was like 350 bucks or something compared to a full e-bike which will get you from zero to just going in fact i was out cycling and i'll tell you i sorry i saw this other this guy with an e-bike and this thing had the huge like you know sand tires and it looked like a motorcycle basically it looked like a bike but it looked like not shouldn't have been a bike so he was sitting there and he's sitting at the light in the bike lane and i'm behind him and i'm getting ready turns green the light goes and he just goes down a lever and he doesn't cycle at all. I'm like, that's no longer a bike if you're not cycling. Like Heather was See, that, legitimately getting saying. exercise. Right. That's what I'm saying. See, I, yeah. I had a vision that this just takes over. I, I kind of like this idea. I'm looking at this, this uh, the tech here. I like the idea that it's sort of, I would even like it even more if there was never really an option that it was just going to coast for you. Like it always kind of requires you to pedal, but it's providing this like almost like secret boost, right? It's like those... Was I talking about that with you? Like this new thing that they're developing for athletes where like it's like a sensor or something like a muscle stimulator. You know, like those little electric shock things you can have. Like if you go to like certain types of chiropractors, they do that, right? Little muscle relaxers. But there's these things now that they're developing for athletes that are legal, basically cyborg enhancing. So it makes you like half Whoa. human, half robot. Like you put it on your thigh or your calf and it kind of massages the muscle and keeps you going longer than you would be able to or or can actually make somebody faster than they are by like stimulating the muscles. So that I, I read about that in the week and we're going to get into the week and how much I love it and how it leads to our, you know, why technology is ruining our lives topic um, this week. But that was really cool. This, this article I read, this kind of reminds me of that. If you could, if it could like just kind of boost you, but you still need to do the work. Um, you know, the danger of this other one, the athlete thing is like, will this ever be legal in like the Olympics or other things? If everybody had access to it, probably not, because now, you know, obviously, you know, countries with a, you know, better situation financially would, would have an advantage, you know, with this sort of tech. But it's interesting. I like it. Okay. I'm going to give the thumbs up. I feel like I'm standing there right now, like, you know, um, like walking Phoenix and gladiator and you don't know <laughs> if my thumb is going to go up or down, you know, live yeah. or die and, and you're, you're Maximus. And I just gave you the thumbs up. Like, I like, so and I, I, did, I wasn't sure how I was going to like it. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I'm not going to put it on my bike, but I'll put it on Heather's bike. And, and, uh, I rode on this thing and I was like, wee, I was like a kid going down a, a sl- uh, 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 a ramp or on a sled for the very first time, just like we just like going to town. It was great. And what was nice about the pedal assist is that we'd be going uphill and I'd be going and Heather would just like cruise along, which is awesome because when you're in a environment where one cycler uh, cyclist is stronger than the other cyclist, this really is a nice thing. We're, now we're cycling together all over the city. No, I, I love it. I really do. I gave yeah. you the thumbs up. And, you know, on that note that I'm going to go ahead and find that that image for everybody and, and keep it in the show notes just so they know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, as far as what's new for me this week, I um, I can't say that I was even close to your to your universe in terms of excitement. But I did get a new computer this week. Now you, I, I, oh. I pinged you a few weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. So for those of you who remember, obviously, I'm assuming every listener here is obsessed with the uh, Coffee House Blunder show, and you're all leaving us brilliant reviews in the, you know, in the uh, Apple Store and everything. But so those of you who know my story, where I tarantined you the the thievery of my MacBook Pro, right? I lost my MacBook Pro in JFK. Guy stole it on camera. It's just amazing. But I, I took my sweet time getting a new laptop, and I actually decided to bring PC back. 
which is just my I've been a, I've been a Mac laptop PC in my office for all the like the broadcasting and videos and shows I do. Um, but a Mac laptop guy for easily like five, six plus years. And I just, I just went Justin Timberlake and brought PC back. I, I, I got a link right there to the Sager that I customized. Um, anybody can click on it and see the link I did. I'm not going to tell you all the exact specs I got. Who am I kidding? Of course I am. I got the 4K <laughs> monitor. Um, I got the four, I got the 4K monitor. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, mostly all the, I got a 16 gigs of, of, of the, of the DDR4, the, the RAM. Um, no reason to get 32 gigabytes. Come on. Like who oh. actually needs that? You, I can't believe you did. Now here's, here's a thing that you did, by the way, which I'll give you props on is that you opted for the one stick of 16 gig, not the two sticks of eight, which means that you should actually technically be able to upgrade this to 32 gigs because there's that a whole exactly extra slot. Right. Yep. So I mm-hmm. pretended that there was never a world I would need 32 gigs. I have full plans. Oh, uh, yes. Of, oh, of yeah. upgrading here soon. And I, um, I don't, don't actually, some of the things that's clicked on by default are actually wrong. I actually didn't get the 250 gigabyte. I got the 500 gigabyte Samsung, um, the mm-hmm. Evo, um, so, so I, uh, when you share these links to these customized Sager notebook things, it kind of, it doesn't actually save all of your specs. So, but I ended up getting out of town for about 2,200 bucks and, you know, with a fully loaded 4K monitor, really in a lot of ways more powerful than any of the, of the MacBook Pros you can get. And one of the things that made me realize is how, you know, for a power, for a power user, I've been spending all day, by the way, getting used to Windows 10. I've been setting up my apps. I've been downloading all the programs I need. I got a, I got a PC Mac. I got a PC laptop right next to me right now, which is syncing about 400 gigabytes worth of Dropbox stuff that we operate on. Nice. So um, anyway, just really excited. I wanted to share that. Finally, I am back in the laptop market. Really nice. good, and um, and it's a much better really PC than my MacBook Pro was. I think I'll be in better shape to do two different broadcasts on the road, and uh, you know, take the Chess Today show with me. So there you go. That's great. I'm, I'm excited if you you know share some photos of that thing. I like to see it because sometimes to me it's about the build and the quality of it. I don't know. It's, I've, it's, it's always tricky sexy, because it's got a sexy backlit keyboard. Like I almost feel like a gamer, and we know I'm far from a gamer, but it's got this. It's got this like green and red like kind of transition it does on the backlight of the keyboard. It feels real good. I like that. I like, I like that, Danny. He's like, you know, I'm not a gamer. I don't play any games. Games are silly. <laughs> They're stupid. Who I plays games? I'm, I'm an expert at a game for a living, but <laughs> yeah, there's only no, one is, game that that's matters. That's the best thing these days is to build yourself a gamer's PC, even if you're not a gamer, and then you really got mm-hmm. a powerful, robust machine and. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty psyched about that. But, you know, you'll have the best optimal experience for playing chess.com. I will. And and, and for streaming and because, you know, I figure it's just it's time to be a little more capable with these laptops I'm taking with me. So sorry, Apple. But uh, speaking of speaking of uh, technology, I'm going to introduce our next segment for the first time in Blunder's history. Bum, 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 bum. Speaking of tech, speaking of Apple, speaking of of really, you know, th- th- this is a. Okay, I didn't even know what angle I wanted to take here, but there, there's been this whole topic, uh, James, of um, of the net neutrality issues, right? The potential for the FCC to actually, you know, overturn, uh, you know, Title II and, uh, you know, in regards to the, the Title II Communication Act and all the things that protect, uh, protect 
it basically content and websites and everything that is the World Wide Web as we know it um, from from being squeezed by by basically incrementalization. You know, for those of you who don't know, real quick, so the 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 title the the, the Title Two Communication Act basically the net neutrality. It protects people from companies that control the the airways and the streams and the pipelines that bring people all these great videos and websites and content from from basically uh, interfering with that process and squeezing the pipelines. You know, if, if somebody came along and decided they didn't like Chess.com and had the power like Comcast, they could they could slow down the experience for all Chess.com users and speed up the experience for any other website that service Chess. You know, just use your imagination and basically you've taken the hands out of businesses competing to provide the best product and experience for their customers and given it, given the power to maybe, you know, to politics and to bureaucracy and, and, uh, and to, you know, companies with the biggest checkbook to leverage themselves as the, you know, and basically give sort of monopoly power. So that was an interesting thing. And I know neither one of us is experts on it, but Eric, our CEO, wrote an open letter on this whole topic. And where does, I'm just going to not necessarily put Mots on the spot because you obviously work for Microsoft, but I, but I know that Microsoft is a big company, but they're also very, you know, they're in favor, as far as I know, to save, save the internet, so to speak, and keep net neutrality going. Like, how does somebody like you working for a big company, one of the big five tech industry companies, like, stand on this sort of thing? Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, I won't speak for the company. You can find statements from Microsoft, but I, you know, we, from my um, understanding, and you can watch interviews with Bill and Satya and things like that. And, you know, we, we believe in a, in a free Microsoft, a free Microsoft, a free internet, an open internet. And I think that's what all the big companies want. And really what it comes down to is that nobody, no consumer, no company besides the people in control of the pipes and the tubes win in this scenario. And I think a lot of these companies look at it that having a free, open, equal internet is the reason that they came up, right? Even though, you know, we are huge competitors with Amazon and AWS, which is the web services that powers a lot of the internet. And we have Azure, which powers a lot of the internet too. You know, we are creating these danger centers, but we still want the ability to be on the same playing ground and other competitors to come in because guess what? Competition is good at what drives our products and our innovation to be the best product. But if now we can no longer innovate and we have to play games with um, giving money here, money here, and trying to just take our current offerings, whatever it is, um, to pay to, to try to, you know, whatever company XYZ around the world, it's actually bad because the consumers don't actually know what's going on. All they know is they go to chess.com and it's slow today. I'm like, why is it slow today? Is it their internet? Is it this? Like, no, because someone didn't sign something, right? Or they go to microsoft.com and they want to go download the latest version of Windows. Oh, now it's all slow and crappy. But oh, my uh, OS X is downloading really quick, right? It, it It's really not a win for anyone uh, at all. And it's very upsetting because... You know, this isn't just affects big companies, it affects small companies too. Imagine that you're a startup and you're trying to build the next streaming internet service, um, internet, you know, TV service that's out there. And you have this great, amazing idea. But what if this comes on? The only thing that can happen in the terms of net neutrality is that is if everything is overturned, then these big companies are literally forced. Their hands are forced because y- y- like, they're going to slow it down unless you pay them, right? You know what I mean? Right. So you have to because then now 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 your competitors, your competitor you're competing to have the best offer. Instead of what's happening is you're competing to who can shovel out the most money to appease their their users. So then 
you know, startup over here is small. They don't have that type of money, right? Or you even go to to my website, my personal website. I think it should be just as fast of going to any other website that's on the internet, right? As long as I have a fast server and all that stuff on a, a level playing ground, you should be able to access my blog just as fast going to Kotaku or Engadget or anything like that. Just like video games, right? I should be able to play a game on my Switch just at the same exact level as I would if I was playing on my Xbox or on my PlayStation. So this thing actually spirals into not just the internet, but all the other things that access the I, internet at the same time. I obviously, I agree totally. And, you know, I didn't want to, obviously you don't, you don't, you know, we don't have to put Mots in far. a position to, to speak, to speak on behalf of Microsoft. But to me, this is interesting. One, I wanted to say that I think it's a good example of where tech, I mean, if, okay, if the five biggest tech companies really in the world are pretty much all, I mean, again, we're not speaking for all of them, but it seems that just about, you know, you're talking Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft, right? And maybe, you know, okay, there are, there are others in there, right? There are, you know, Netflix and there, there's plenty of others, but I'm talking like those guys, as far as market share, you know, and, and their control over, you know, massive amounts of, of what human beings think, right? And there's a ton of influence there. You know, they're all, you know, again, without putting words in their mouth, people seem to be universally against this idea because they're the, they're the ones providing all these experiences. They're the ones that all the other tech companies try to model themselves after to a certain degree to like, hey, we want to become a big company too. And everybody's against this process because really, this is a good example of like the fall of capitalism to me. Because to me, where capitalism fails is when incrementalization sets in and and the question now becomes not you know we currently you know we're offering our consumers a we're capable of z the question is not how quickly can we give them z it's how much money can we make from b c d e e f g h right so then the process becomes about how do we squeeze rather than innovate right how do we incrementalize the the, the revenue stream rather than provide the best experience and i think that that's where it, you know so to me i'm not trying to get too political or you know into economics or pretend to know something i don't because i'm certainly you know i'm sure that most of our users are a thousand times smarter than me whatever but i read the week magazine i love the week by the way so if you don't read the week this is a this is a pure plug for the week unfortunately i don't get anything for it um the week is just like theweek.com. And, and unfortunately, I really don't think their website or the way they deliver news online really does it justice because it's not, you know, it almost comes across as like a trying to be CNN meets like Huffington Post or Buzzworthy or something. So I'm not a huge fan of the way they show on their site. But this magazine is the best because, you know, these days with everything happening so fast on social media, you know, it's like the Anchorman joke, right? When Will Ferrell is like an Anchorman 2 where they have that, that, that joke where you cover a live event for the first time. And he goes, well, I don't know who's driving the car. And they go, well, just make something up, Ron. Right. And he's like, we (laughs) think it's this guy who's six, seven and he's on crack and whatever. Right. He just starts making stuff up because these these days on social media and the way you get your information, half the time you're being not only delivered information, but told how you should feel about this. And it's like the Oxbow incident, right? Like you have all these, you have this mob mentality rallying and you don't even really know what happened yet. Right. You don't know if it was an act of terrorism yet. You don't know if it was this. You don't know if it was that. Right. But you know that there's a million stories on social media. You're you're told what you think is the information and the mob has already started. Right. Because this is an exact example of people are always looking for affirmation of their current beliefs, not really confirmation of facts. And 
And I think that the week, what I love about it is it's basically a gathering of here's the major things that happened last week. Here's what the left side said. Here's what the right side said. You decide. It's basically a gathering. It's exactly what, you know, the future of media can be, which is just like, hey, here's actually what happened. And here's what both, you know, different peoples and, you know, it, it quotes things from the Wall Street Journal to the LA Times to the Chicago Tribune. And it just kind of bounces around and, and allows you to kind of see a full picture. And so I actually prefer to get my news from the week, a week delayed than I do following social media and all the other shenanigans these days because it's so dangerous. And so there, anyway, this was, this was, wow. I don't know how this episode became much more political than I ever intended, but I wanted to give a shout out to the week because there was an article about this, about net neutrality and about just how much I love the way they cover things and provide so many different perspectives on it that, um, that I wanted to, I wanted to bring up this topic. There you go. It's hard too, because even, you know, you were asking me about Title II and everything like this beforehand. I go, you know, I go, I'm not an expert on it. And the problem is it's really hard to find information. I mean, I, I did just confirm, by the way, that that it was in July was the big stand where it, and that's when I think the article, yeah, July yeah, from yeah. Eric came out was it was Microsoft, Google, uh, which is Alphabet, Facebook, Twitter and Apple and a few other ones that were all, you know, for keeping everything intact as is no need to go back and put uncertainty into the market. And, um, uh, no, it's also scary because a lot of people don't think about it. They think that they just, you know, connect to the internet. It's this thing and it, and it works and, 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 um, they don't really quite grasp how the whole, half the time I have no idea how the internet works, to be honest with you, but right. even grasping that as a concept is really hard. There's so much going on, but then to say, oh, well then these other rules and, and it can be worded, uh, funny too. And, you know, I think as someone that grew up on the inner workings of the internet where I created early websites in the 90s and, and into the early 2000s, and even up until now and saw the evolution and growth of it and see these businesses and companies and, and the innovation that has come and spurred from it, you there's, you know, you want more of that, right? You don't want you know people to be held back and companies to held back by that. And it's, and it's, it's hard to get correct information on all sorts of different topics on the internet. Cause you're right. There's literally, uh, there was, I was even opening some of the links that you gave me. I was like, I don't know. What's this website? What's this website? You know, there's like, uh, I go to like get news and I'm just like, what is this even reputable? Like, how do you even, how do I even know? Like, what is news anymore? Um, yeah, no, yeah but exactly. I want to know That's another reason why I like the week. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. Do you have, do you get the week by the way? I don't know. I'm going to go check it out first, now though. The first ever, you should subscribe. It's the first ever magazine that I actually bought for somebody else. That's how much I liked it. Got it. I mean, nice. just that, did that not blow your, I'm surprised you're still sitting in your chair. I mean, it was, you know, that's, that's a testimonial right there, yeah. right? The first yeah. magazine I ever bought. It's a, and it's a physical, it's a physical, it's on, it's on paper or oh, whatever like mag- magazine like is. Are, is oh, our magazines should, paper? Yeah. What are they? Are they plastic? They're, it's um, paper. They're like, ah, are they? Ah. <laughs> I think they're a form of paperish recycled something. I get uh, we get the Seattle Met magazine um and I get Game Informer cuz I used to work at GameStop and and EB Games before that and it's the it may be one of the only video game magazines left but it's obviously the largest cuz it's sold at GameStop and you get it with the rewards card and I love it. I love a great physical. I don't read a lot of books. I'm not a big book fan, but I do like paper goods 
that I can recycle on these magazines. And and I actually probably spend more time reading a full article. And if anything, I'm like, I wish there was more of this article, right? I wish there was more room on this paper sometimes for them to really explain it. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, there you go. So this, this is why we don't let Danny take the reins with the white technology from our lives. Cause you know, we get, we get really, we get almost way too political with that, but it is, it is an interesting thing. I'm glad we, we touched on the topic of, of, uh, of keeping the internet open and free and, um, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. And it's, uh, it seems to be headed the direction that it's going to remain that way. I don't know, but uh, you know who knows. I mean, these days politics are really outside of what everybody wants anyway. So why have the internet be any different? Moss, it's on you. All right, yeah, this I'm excited because um, not even going to tee it up for me. I'll tee it up for myself. By the way, that essentially what's happening on is that. I love chess, and chess matters every single day for every single person. But, and but tell everybody you, what you what you did here. You wrote, you misspelled Kasparov's name. And I, it is the most adorable thing you've done on the show to date. It is better than Carl Magnuson. In our show notes, you wrote Kasparov. Um, which, Kasparov. Let me, let me say oh, real I see quick. What I did there. That's actually phenomenal in the sense that you understand the Russian pronunciation because one of the common ways that Americans butcher, um, Slavic name, Slavic pronunciations is by pronouncing a saft A, a soft A. I even just said oh, saft. Um, there saft. is no, there is no apple. There is no alligator. Everything is off. So when you hear someone say, uh, you know, Kasparov, that's, that's correct. Not Kasparov. Okay. You hear someone say Kramnik, Kramnik. Kramnik. That's correct. Not Kramnik. <laughs> if you hear Kramnik. someone say Karpov, or I guess that would, uh, uh, Kaidanov, not Kaidanov. I've heard people butcher so many um, Slavic names, uh, and, and there is no soft A in their alphabet. It's one of the reasons why they also have deeper voices. So when you hear like the Uncle Sasha here, it's, that is right. That is actually the accent that is. It's a much more. It's a deeper accent. They don't have soft vowels. Ah, oh, so, that makes sense. So you actually wrote it closer to how it's pronounced than than most Americans pronounce it. That's funny, you know, because a lot of people, when they, they want to say my last name or spell my last name, I go, it's exactly how it, it's pronounced exactly how it's spelled. And it's spelled exactly how it's pronounced. Right. It's Monte Magno, Monte Magno, right. Monte Magno. Right. Monte Magno. Uh, well, I mean, if we're in Italy, it'd be Montemagno, but um, <laughs> Montemagno. James Gaetano Montemagno, mm, the essence. Um, anyways, so this is crazy. We had a whole episode dedicated to it and the wait is finally over. Not only is the wait over, but it's in action. Things are happening. GM Gary Kasparov is back in action. And not to mention, he could not be more excited for his three draws that he has laid down before us um, so far. I don't know if I'm completely caught up on the actual loadout, but what's happening is the St. Louis Rapid Blitz. Is this in the United States, St. Oh, Louis, yeah. or is this some St. Louis? St. Louis, yeah. no. Louis, the arches of St. Louis. I got family there. Um, he is back in an action blitz chest, and I love his facial emotions that he is pouring out of the uh, over the audience, and he's active about it. what I love about Gary G- GK, if you will. GK, <laughs> I was waiting for the nickname. Go ahead, GK. Um, Cass, if you will, right. Cos Kasparv, Cosi, Cos- Cospy. Cosby. What would you? What would your <laughs> Cosby? Um, What's your um, nickname for him? I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, um, I think uh, a lot of people say Caspi because, like, uh, you know, that's an American way to make it to not only butcher the the soft A, but but add a little Caspi. Um, I think I've said Caspi before on shows, but I what do I? Uh, do I have a nickname for Gary? That's that's interesting. Wow, I don't even know if I do. I mean, you know, I, he's 
He's the Russian who lost to the computer, you know, for most people who just like, that's one of the things about Kasparov uh, returning that's so great is, you know, we, you and I have discussed this, right? There are really two names that people who know zero about chess and really anything about the culture still know. They know who was that American. You know you're big time when people remember what you did, even if they don't remember your name. They say, who was that American who beat the Russians in the Cold War and then disappeared? That's right, Bobby Fischer, right? I mean, because he became pop culture legend and then and then who was the russian who played the computer in the 90s and lost to ibm even if they don't remember deep blue even if they don't, don't remember gary kasparov they remember these iconic events man versus machine right yep, it was exactly. a huge deal and then maybe maybe the third tier is some people know the young norwegian kid magnus carlson but really as much as i love magnus and he's really the future of this generation um you know the truth is dealing with so much of that audience on chess.com because we're fortunate to have the domain we do and we attract that massive audience of people who just like randomly like we, we attract the people who like literally like cupid strikes them that day and they just decide hmm, i wonder if there's a place to play chess online right i mean it, like like that's the kind of audience we get right and so that audience still really only knows of those two legendary figures the american who beat the russians and the russian who who played the computer and now what's happening is that you're getting a whole new audience right because if you look at it like this i mean gary hasn't played rated chess in 4,539 4, days. And while well, he's probably still playing chess, right? Not rated chess, not to this level, not to this excitement. You build this huge buildup. And now there's probably kids that are fo following our Carl Magnuson and, um, and, and they're like, whoa, you know, like I've heard, I've heard the legend, right? You know, these, right. these, and now you get Gary right back up on stage and he came back, um, with some fury with three draws right off the bat. And what I like about, uh, GK is that he is active on the Twitter. He's tweeting all about it. Let him know. About politics, but yeah, 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 yep. yeah. But you know, I like that he says, well, I'm rarely happy. Uh, to draw three in a row, but he achieved his goal of surviving day one nerves. Looking forward to pressing harder tomorrow. And and I do have to ask you, though, did his ranking go down because of the three draws? I'm seeing this that he's now ranked eighth, or he was always eighth, but yeah, down well, 1.4? I don't even know yet. I, I This tournament hasn't really been rated in terms of like live ratings yet. Plus, there's actually this whole other angle, which is interesting, which is that I think Technically, Kasparov is banned from FIDE-rated events oh. because of his political scandals and dealing with uh, Ilyushinov. Um, so there, wow, this is a political day, apparently. So you got this guy, <laughs> crazy Ilyushinov. Okay, Ilyushinov is the head of of the uh, of the International Chess Federation, Kyrgyzstan, and he's also tight with guys like Putin. Um, and, uh, he's, he's basically an oil tycoon. He's, he's famous for saying that chess was brought to the planet by aliens. He's, he also was recently, you know, banned by, uh, the secretary to the Department of Treasury in the United States because he was found with financial links to Assad, right? The, uh, the Syrian dictator yeah. who, so it, it's some crazy happens. stuff, right? In the chess world. And it's really not a good image. Kasparov ran to be the FIDE president a few years ago and lost to Kyrgyzstan. Um, not really a big surprise because Kyrgyzstan owns so many votes and buys so many votes. It's a very politically corrupt situation uh. um, that has been difficult for the chess world for years, and everybody kind of knows it. No one can really do anything. In the end, nobody really cares because as long as the best chess players are still given the best opportunities, we're all still appreciating the chess gods. But Kasparov. Mm -hmm 
Komarov situation is an in, is an interesting one because it's possible after this tournament that like all the other games in this rapid event will get raided, but the games where people played Kasparov will like will be blackballed by FIDE and just like not recognized as part of the event. It's very possible. Um, yeah. It leads us to all other things in the chess world that I don't want to get into because we're already like yeah. people are like what? But anyway, what, it's, what is or, happening? Or they're like, wow, I blacked out five minutes ago, and Danny's still talking about aliens bringing chess to the planet. But um, and it's so Kasparov is is going to drop some rating points. He did draw a few games. He actually didn't do that well today. The day we're recording this on day two, he he lost a game and, and drew two more. So he's not really in the running probably to win the event. But if he finishes in the middle of the pack, I think secretly for him. Him to have you know been out of competitive chess for however many days you just quoted from Mike Klein's article. I mean, it's it would be pretty impressive. And I admit, on day one, I was I was pretty impressed with his ability to hold his own against yeah. you know he played Nakamura, he played Karyakin, um, so he held his own against against you know some of the best chess players in the world already. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I gotta say, to switch topics, we have to talk about chess center and this is my why chess matters is because not so much when you watch chess center in the show notes i want everyone to know to i did not put bots up to plugging chess center at all i fully expect no. criti- critical feedback here but what are you going to say i want to hear when it. you watch this just do a voiceover of danny pretend you're danny and you'll crack because he's so serious and then he's all like crossfitted out basically and he's got his chess.com you know uh, polo on he's I got look his heavy on camera. Let's be honest. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a better guy for radio i look a little chubby on camera i always have. no you look adorable no you look all great right. you look all fit right. you, look, right. you look tight you look fit and um and then look at his hand okay start looking at his hands um <laughs> is this the link t- of the chess center you have let me see this particular one okay basically at second one um, and, and, uh, this is the exciting August chess one and okay. start to look at him. Right. And start to t- envision, you know, being around this gentleman as many hours as I am in one, it's a great day all the time. But now imagine that you're like, what is, what's you start looking at Danny and people, you know, have some accessories on their hand like, and it changes colors because they're different things that are, or there's multiple colors going on. And then all of a sudden there's this blue thing on your hand and, I don't know. I, I think I'm thinking maybe is this a uh, blitz chess accessory that he can stay low to the table? Then I'm thinking <laughs> maybe maybe it has something to do with as he slicks back his hair into this uh, faux hawk. Maybe it's like a a grooming tool, like an internal right. like um, thing. Okay. Or maybe it's a new magical fidget spinner. All right, so and let me, let me tell everybody know. what it is. No, this is great. Okay, so thanks for the. Uh, this is good because this is this is right up my alley. Talking about chess center, but not actually talking about any of the chess content. Exactly. What I love. So I'm going to li- leave this link here in the show notes. Everybody, check out the link here. Um, just to Amazon, you can get them everywhere. But okay, what I'm wearing is a is a it's a rubber CrossFit ring, or or a, they also call them rock climbing rings for people that do. Um, lots of workouts with your hand, like you're doing lots of pull-ups, or, or if you're climbing rocks, um, it's like a, a safety hazard are. because no. because if you're wearing a real you know metal or gold ring and you get your finger stuck in a rock, I mean you can lose a finger that way. That's um, bad news. And, you know if you have like one of those titanium rings that's designed to kind of break before it tears apart your finger, like there's those kind that if you hit with a hammer they'll shatter. But I mean, okay, like let's be realistically, you're not really looking to be wearing a metal ring in the middle of of like a big workout, uh, you know. And CrossFit has a lot of pull-ups and stuff. And so I'm not, I am a big CrossFit aficionado. I, I'm not alone. Okay, who was the guy who was recently on the the late late show? I'm with, not uh, alone. I swear. Uh, 
What was, uh, what was uh, who's the guy that comes on after Jimmy Fallon from Seth, SNL? Uh, Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers, right? Well, there was somebody on Seth Meyers' show recently. I'll link it in the show notes here. Um, it's the guy from New Girl. Uh, uh, which one? Uh, 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 sh- uh, sh- uh, the the guy. Not Shia LaBeouf. He's not a. He's not. Not Shia LaBeouf. The guy that. Um, the guy that everybody kind of makes fun of, but he's married to the model, Cece, in, on New Girl. Oh, um, um, bu- 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 Schmidt, Schmidt, Schmitty, Max Greenfield. Schmitty, yeah, Schmidt's a huge Schmitty. CrossFit guy. That, that makes sense. I thought you were going to talk about uh, Jake Johnson. Or- no, yeah, no. So Schmitty from New Girl's a big CrossFit guy. And, and so Seth Myers was making fun of him because he was like, so you went to the CrossFit Games to watch other people work out. <laughs> and he's like making fun. He's like, isn't that creepy? Would you ever go to the gym to watch other people work out? That's why you that go. <laughs> so he obviously, that's what Seth Myers does. He's hilarious. So, but okay. I love CrossFit. Uh, I wear these rubber rings. Yes, it's cool with my wife. I was doing CrossFit for a while without wearing a wedding ring at all. And then the wife, he's like, oh, so you're just not married while you work out? And I was like, well, honey, like, first of all, no one's checking me out. Believe me, I'm not the fittest guy at the gym. All right. So just first of all, relax, sweetie. Secondly, if you'd like, I'll look into these rubber rings. I actually bought this like little like six pack of rings from Amazon that I'm linking everybody to here. I wear the I wear like the gray one on my left finger because it actually looks like you can't tell at first that it's a rubber ring because it kind of looks like a silver gold ring quickly. And then people notice like, hey, that's not a right ring. And it actually leads to a ton of conversation because people always go, what the bleep is that on your finger? And then I explain it. Um, but the other ring, the blue ring is what I call my Talia ring, my baby ring, my newest baby girl. And it's because she's obsessed with my ring. She always wants to take off my ring. But rather than give her my actual wedding ring, I have this other ring on my hand. In fact, as I'm talking to you, I'm now wearing a black one instead of a blue one. Um, and that's because she lost my blue one. No, no. So, I so, so that ring. is a. That's that, why that I wear that. We saw in the video is gone. It's for, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Talia lost it. She steals things and then she loses them. You know, as long as she's not eating it, I can't really be that upset. You know, you get it. It's so there you go. That's um that's the ring story. <laughs> that's exactly the opposite of uh of uh of what I thought we'd be talking about with Chess Center. But thanks for bringing that up. So any other and any that's other why chess, chess matters from you this week, baby. And you know that is why chess matters. And um. I do. I do have a question. And you know I'm trying to get my game better in the world of chess. You're trying to get your game on all the time. Trying to get the game on, trying to win, and I'm trying to get better. And we've had some good strategies. And I was reading through an article recently about looking ahead. So looking for moves ahead. And I had a question in the Mots Ass and I Am section is I find myself over maybe sometimes overanalyzing the board, which means I sit there and I start looking, do I look one, five, 10? Do I keep moving a thousand other pieces in my mind? So the quick question I have is when I'm playing, I just, maybe this progresses throughout the game, but how many moves should I be thinking about or looking ahead when I'm playing a game of chess? Okay. So first of all, this is, this is, a bit of the equivalent of like a loaded question in chess because it's it's Big gonna question. it's gonna depend on your your level of play. I mean, but I, but ironically, what's funny is the strongest players in the world who have the ability to to see 
really forever. I mean, they, they could see the entire game on their head. They could calculate till checkmate. I mean, I've played up to 12 blindfold games at once. Um, I, I can link a video here where people, I played, uh, we sped up the video, but it was, this was like a four hour grueling marathon where I played 10 kids just last year blindfolded, which is the most I've played in years because I'm a retired, I'm, I'm over the hill now. But I mean, you got like Magnus Carlsen is famous. I mean, you just look up Magnus yeah. Carlsen blindfold chess. You can find better people than me, but it's okay. You want to build the muscles of visualization. The ultimate ability, the ultimate goal in chess is that you don't stop your calculations until you've actually evaluated the position. Put it this way. When you start, if you started thinking ahead now, let's say I put a position in front of Mots and said, calculate as far ahead as you can. You would start thinking three, four moves, and then the position starts to what I call, it gets foggy. You enter the cloud, right? It's like, okay, you think you know what's going on, but do you really see the position as clearly as you would if it was right in front of you? Probably not anymore, right? Mm. Like, it starts to mm-hmm. get foggy. There are there are techniques you can do. There's a video series I actually did called Chess Nirvana on chess.com. It was one of the most, one of the highest ones because it was the, the, people loved it, play on the spiritual Nirvana goal, which was like, if you reach Nirvana, Chess Nirvana is you don't really stop your calculations unless you've clearly made a decision. See, the power in that is... You may still make a wrong decision. You may misevaluate something strategically. Maybe you you overestimate something. But no matter what, in those cases, you're learning, right? You're learning something strategical about your lack of understanding of the game. You didn't stop calculating because you just couldn't see anymore. So, so there are things you can do. And I'll link you to some videos, some techniques you can work on. You can actually just go to chess.com slash vision. I mean, that, I swear to God, oh. just led into like a feature plug. I didn't There's even But if you go to chess.com slash So many hidden vision, features. And, and we actually have a blank board on chess.com that's designed exactly to kind of help people start to learn the board and the diagonals and the squares and visualize things without the coordinates, right? Without the, the address, the, you know, A through H and the one through eight telling you what the squares are. You know, like if you just tell me right now, like Danny, name every square on the long diagonal. I could be like H1, G2, F3, E4, D5, C6, B7, A8, right? I just know the board, not just random black and white checker squares. I know the layout of the board and that allows me to calculate at a higher level. So answer one is you should be trying to improve your visualization skills so that you can play chess through the fog. And so you're not stopping your calculations because you just can't see anymore. Now, with that said, what's ironic is that the more you learn about chess at the highest levels of do that, most 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 do that. Most of the time they're calculating five, six, maybe seven moves. And they're combining that, that, accurate calculation of let's say five to ten moves ahead with you know with high level strategical evaluations with sort of understanding the essence of the pawn structure and they know where the long-term weaknesses are going to be and they understand that you know this piece isn't good over here it's weak on this square because it has limited mobility or you know so i'm sort of describing features to you about a chess position without ever actually saying x's and o's right got it yeah your ultimate huh. goal is to not have to stop your calculation because you can't see anymore. But really, if you improve everything else about your chess and you work on, you know, lessons and videos and you learn your openings and you learn how to how to look at a pawn structure and see the forest through the trees, like actually see what weaknesses are in a position, not just, oh, I want to move my knight here because it attacks the queen in one move and let's hope he doesn't see it, right? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, you get kind of beyond one move planning and you're, you're trying to develop plans that are based on bigger picture weaknesses. Very rarely are you calculating dozens of moves ahead anyway. So, I know that's a little bit of a long-winded answer, but that's really kind of the bigger picture chess kind of goal. So, so keep doing both. 
calculate a few moves ahead to not blunder, but try to try to develop plans that are based on attacking weaknesses that your opponent can't change. Those are often pawns and squares. Like, like once someone puts a pawn on e5, they can't move it back, right? So that's forever a target. That's why the entire Rui Lopez opening theory is built around this pressure in the center because both sides have committed pawns that are potential targets. All high-level plans really are based on attacking permanent features in a position, not, not, not little tricks. Got so it. anyway, that's, that's my chess philosophy for the day. Yeah, it's good to know. Just kind of kind of taking it's always nice to get inside of an international international master's mind to see how it tinkers around. I mean, when you're not wearing rubber wedding rings. um, I think it would be even funnier if you purposely mispronounced international master every week. Like if you like and then next week you call it. I really think it's great to get inside of a butterfly master's uh, head and like, you know, like what those guys do on the street and like uh, late night shows. Like it's really great to get inside of an obtained master's head. Really great to get inside of a butter a buttercup master's head. You know, it is it, 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 it is. It is a delight to get inside of um, in, into your mind and the inner workings. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, you know. This is always the highlight of every single every single Tuesday over here. People don't know we we record on a, a most, Tuesday or most Wednesday. Of the time. Or yeah, sometimes we hit a Wednesday. Yeah, this is so. Oh my goodness, Danny! What can I say? <laughs> this I was a fun you, episode. So this, take away the uh, take away the political. You know, Danny's philosophy thoughts on why social media news is not real news and people should change their lives and get the week. The week is good. <laughs> Um, but is, take away the political, you know, but we'll, we'll let you run the show on why technology is ruining our lives that week. And Danny will take a backseat and focus on, you know, some pawns and some pawns and some bishops, which is <laughs> that's what most of my friends make fun of me whenever they ask. Like if I like come home and I'm stressed for the day, like maybe we're hanging out, watching a game, having a beer or something like people are like, hey, I was working. I'm like, it was all right. They're like, oh, what happened? Somebody moved their bishop wrong. You know, or, or it's always some kind of what happens? Somebody forget how to checkmate. You know, <laughs> insert insulting line about where a chess player takes their job seriously. Oh my god, I love it. Ugh. All right, buddy, this has been a blasties. Uh, I'm excited for next week. It's going to be big things happening. I cannot wait to see what happens with GK and to see what happens. Your boy with our listeners, and if they decide to reach out to us, let us know. Yeah, no listener if you like the blunders. Week. They can hit it. Hit it next week. I want to hear about yeah, who reads the week. Let me know if you do. Yeah. Let us know. Go to blunders.fm. Send us some stuff. If you use a podcast app, if you don't, get yourself a podcast app. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get the latest and greatest of Danny and Mott's in your ear holes every single week, and you'll love it. And you can tell your friends about it. You can share that link. You can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would love you forever. That's about all I can think about, Danny. Anything else from you? Remember remember what Bambi's mom said. Don't give a review unless you intend to do a five-star app review. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So there you go. <laughs> That's what Bambi's mom said. She's like, if you're using the app store and you're doing reviews, make sure you give a five-star review, Bambi. Yep. So, all right, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right.